Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. It is so special to be back in the house of the Lord. And may I say, I really missed you all. It feels like uh, I've been away for so long, so long, in fact, that I, I almost put up my hand for first-time visitors this morning. <laughs> but even though it has been so long or felt so long, at least for me, my heart has never left this place. And in this time of rest, I've gained a new perspective and appreciation for my calling to this body of Christ. God has cemented in me, if you will, a new desire and gratefulness for the work that he wants to do through this amazing body of believers. And all I can say is that I am privileged to be a part of it. Privileged to be a part of a church that seeks the Lord with their whole heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. A church that is active in pursuing the will of God and consecrating themselves for that purpose. A church that stands for truth. A church that is called to be a new breed of worshipers, creating atmospheres for breakthrough in every strata of society. Why? So that we can be a part of God's redemptive story of restoring lives and transforming cities and nations for His glory. I don't know about you, but that's the type of church I want to be a part of, and I am so grateful to be a part of. Let's just take a moment or two to thank the Lord for the great work that He's doing in our church. Let's just give him a mighty shout. You can do better than that. Give him a mighty shout of praise. Church, I want to briefly take the opportunity this morning to thank everyone that has not only stepped in the gap in my absence, but have excelled in leading our church over the past couple of months. I firstly want to thank our preaching team who have taken on the weighty responsibility of the pulpit and in doing so have shown the calling of God on their lives. They have not only filled the gap, but have excelled. And can we just thank them for their commitment to this task and for hearing from the Lord and what He wants to say to His church. I also want to thank our elders for allowing me the opportunity to take this time because it meant that they would have to take on even more responsibilities than what they already have. So I want to thank them for their willingness to do this, for their love and support, and for putting my long-term well-being and the ministry's long-term well-being above their own. This type of care and commitment is rare, church, and you will be pleased to know that you are part of a church that have elders who sacrifice so much of themselves for the sake of kingdom. Let's just honor them this morning. <clears throat> to all our connect group leaders ministry leaders, and those who serve in different capacities, I want to thank you for your ongoing commitment to the work of the Lord and for your heart to please the Lord in all that you do. I haven't been here to witness it for myself, but I've been hearing from Pastor Ronell how well attended our prayer evenings have been over the time of prayer and fasting and how so many of you have stepped up and shown the gifts that God has placed in you and how we as a church are pressing more and more into God. So encouraging, encouraging to hear. You know, what is really highlighted as you spend more and more time in ministry is that it takes a body. Not one person. It takes a body of committed believers to fulfill the calling that God has placed on the church. Amen? One person on his or her own can only get so far. 
but a body united with one purpose and empowered by the Spirit of God can achieve the impossible. Do you believe that, church? Because that's what you're a part of. You are part of this living, breathing organism, which is the church of Jesus Christ. So thank you for your ongoing commitment to what God is doing in our church. Give yourselves a round of applause. Come on. Last but not least, I want to thank this amazing lady sitting right here, my wife, Pastor Ronell, for stepping in over the past three months and carrying the weight of the role that we both normally share. I don't have enough words or enough time today to share how much you mean to me, but what I will say is that you are such an example to me of a person that truly reflects the heart of Christ. Over and above your leadership strengths and capabilities and your prophetic gifting, I see in you such a desire to please the heart of God, and I don't know anyone who cares as much about other people as you do. You inspire me, and you still remain my greatest living example of what it means to follow, follow the Lord with all and every fiber of your being. Yes, this is a weighty calling on our lives, but I am blessed to be able to do it together with you until we meet Jesus face to face. Can we just honor Pastor Renal today? Church, this morning, I have a message that I want to share with you in light of what we've just come through as a church. Yes, it is a message that would be applicable to any Christian at just about any stage of their lives, so it's not just a message for now. But I specifically want to draw attention to this topic today because as we've come through a time of prayer and fasting, as we've been seeking the Lord to manifest the kingdom in our world, in the lives of our children, in our families in our businesses, in our nation, and nations throughout the world, in our governments, etc., etc. And as we've consecrated ourselves for this purpose, let me tell you, the enemy is not happy. Yes, he's not happy with the fact that you're a Christian in the first place, but when a body of believers unite and sacrifice more of themselves for more of God, the devil knows that there is something significant on the horizon. He knows that God is about to move in a way that will expose the kingdom of darkness for the counterfeit that it really is. And the truth is, He would love to rob you of what you've experienced over the past few weeks, the breakthrough that you've had, the the addictions that have been broken. He'd love to bring some form of defeat into your lives and doubt into your mind to make you think that you're a counterfeit and that you don't really measure up as a true follower of Christ. Or that going deeper into the things of God and seeking Him with your whole mind, your your soul, your strength, doesn't really mean anything anyway. Because just look at your past, your life is a mess. That's what He wants you to think. And maybe you've experienced something even like that just this past week. Maybe doubt has crept into your mind. You see, Satan wants to rob that which God has deposited in you for God's glory. That's his modus operandi, right? It's like the parable of the sower. Jesus talked about a sower that went out and sowed seed, and some of the seed fell on the roadside. And what happened to that seed? The birds came and ate it all up, right? They came and devoured it. 
And the birds are symbolic of demonic forces that want to come and steal what God has deposited in you. And church, how is your enemy, the devil, described in Scripture? It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Stay alert, watch out, for your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Church, he wants to eat that born-again version of yourself, that consecrated life, that hunger for the things of God, that deposit of destiny. He wants to devour every part of it. He wants to bring defeat so that you ultimately get to a place where you give up. And that's why I believe I have such an urgency to share this message with you today because the enemy would love for us to give in at this point. But we are going to respond by pressing in. He would love for us to give up, but we are going to look up to the author and finisher of our faith. He would love for us to become afraid and retreat because he prowls around like this counterfeit lion. But we are going to respond as courageous soldiers of Christ by submitting to the kingship and the leadership of the lion of the tribe of Judah. So there's two things that I want us to take from the message today. We need to realize and recognize that we are in a battle. We need to realize that we're in a battle. And secondly, church, you need to develop the mindset. You and I need to develop the mindset of an overcomer. And that's why I've titled my message today, The Battle is Real, but in Christ I am an overcomer. The battle is real, but in Christ I am an overcomer. You know, I don't think that we think about this often enough. But you do know that we're in a battle, right? It's not a physical battle, but it is a spiritual battle that is just as real. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13, and I, I love how the Amplified Bible puts it. This is what it says. It says, Be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from Him and be empowered through your union with Him. And in the power of his boundless might. You know what that means, right? His power has no limit. Verse 11 says, Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts or his principles are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents but against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places therefore christian put on the complete armor of god so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, immovable, victorious. Right? Fully prepared, immovable, victorious. Isn't that just an incredible, uh, incredible portion of Scripture? When I was thinking about this, the Scripture, you know, it would probably blow our minds if God were to sort of pull back the curtain and allow us to see into the spirit realm. And we could see the, the world of God and Satan, the world of heaven and hell, the world of angels and demons. But even though we don't get to see all of those things with our current finite limitations, we need to recognize that we are in a battle. 
Someone once said that the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. And that is such a correct statement, and I would even say directional statement, because once we realize that we're in a battle, we can prepare ourselves and, and posture ourselves differently. Right? Because if you are aware of this counterfeit lion that is sneaking around to devour you, if you're wise, and that's the provisor, if you're wise, you're going to be ready. You're going to be armed with the necessary weaponry to defend your position and then to gain ground and ultimately be victorious. And listen, you can, be, you can choose to be unprepared if you want. Right, But it would be like taking a stroll through the Kruger National Park and wondering why you come out the other end with a couple of limbs missing. Right? <laughs> Some of you may say, you know what, Pastor, ignorance is bliss. I'd rather not think about all these things taking place in the heavenlies. You know, those type of things, when I think about angels and demons and all those things, it kind of freaks me out. Yes, ignorance is bliss. But only if you are living in a make-believe world where there is no evil and where your life does not have eternal significance. But quick reality check for you and me. We are living in a fallen world, right? And your life does have eternal significance. So you're a target. And even if you choose to hide your head in the sand, your enemy is still seeking to devour you, right? You're just not going to be ready when he takes the first bite, so I want to talk to you today about developing the mindset of an overcomer, of overcoming defeat, because whether it's now, next month, or sometime in the near future, the devil is going to want to steal what God has deposited in you. He's going to bring something that's going to make you question your position in God and your eternal destination. And church, you know, even though we know we win in the end, even though we know we win the war, we are going to face battles that will make us weary and question what it's all about. We are even going to face defeat at some point, and we need to learn to pick ourselves up again, to stand firm, and to press on towards the prize that awaits us as believers. Amen? So the portion of Scripture that I want us to kind of focus in on this morning is found in Joshua chapter 8. And while you're finding it in your Bibles, I'll just give you some quick background to the story. After conquering Jericho in Joshua chapter 6, Israel finds themselves defeated by going up against a small city called Ai. You actually pronounce it I, but for the purposes of today, I'm going to say Ai, because if I say I, you're going to think I'm talking about, you know what, my physical I or your physical I. So as it turned out, Ai was a much smaller city than Jericho. So they defeat Jericho, they lose to Ai, so that you can imagine they were very discouraged at this point. And if you know the book of Joshua, you'll know that they were defeated because the sin of a man named Achan. And because Achan disobeyed and defiled the covenant of the Lord, long story short, he was judged by God and he was stoned to death by the community and burned together with all of his possessions. And so, after facing defeat, here in chapter 8, God instructs Joshua to go up against Ai once again. And this is really a story about overcoming your enemy, even if he has defeated you once before. It's a story about overcoming defeat in our lives as believers. 
And so in this chapter, I just want to read verses 1 to 9 for you, just to give you a gist of what's going on. And then we'll skim over some other parts of the chapter for the sake of time. But let's read verses 1 to 9 to get a, a flavor of what's going on here. It says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua rose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me, now they're creating a diversion here, I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about when they come out against us at the first that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us until we have drawn them from the city. For they will say, they are fleeing before us at the first, therefore we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand, and it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do, see, I have commanded you. Church, the first step that we find here in developing the mindset of an overcomer. Number one, do not fear nor be dismayed. Now some of you may think, well, that sounds pretty obvious because the Lord just said, don't, don't fear or, or be dismayed. But you know what, church? Even warriors become fearful sometimes. Even some of the greatest warriors of faith have become fearful and have lost their way at times. Right, Joshua was a mighty warrior. But after his defeat, he was, he was fearful. You could say that his hopes were shattered. Right? So what we need to take note of here is that the Lord had to first deal with the fear within Joshua before Joshua could take on the city again. And that's why in the midst of Joshua's defeat, the Lord shows up in this audacious way. And I would say audacious because Joshua has just, just been defeated, right? But he shows up in this audacious way and he says to him, Do not fear, nor be dismayed. You see, amidst all of this, as the Lord did with Joshua, He does the same with us today. The Lord says, do not fear. Because the Lord knows that the spirit of fear or the, the fear of defeat can paralyze our faith in Jesus Christ. And what does the Scripture say? Without faith, we cannot please God. Right? So fear had to be addressed with Joshua, and the Lord will always do that with us as well. He always shows up in the midst of our defeat, in our mess, so to speak, and he says, do not fear, nor be dismayed. That word afraid in the original Hebrew is the word yare, and it means to be fearful, dreadful, terrified, or trembling. And the second word dismayed is the Hebrew word kathath, and it means to be shattered, broken, demolished, confounded, dumbfounded, overwhelmed, or shocked. And church, isn't that how we feel sometimes when there's defeat 
or where there's brokenness all around us. And yet amidst that brokenness, amidst that overwhelming emotion, right? Amidst that defeat, the Lord says to you and me, Christian, do not fear. Because you see, church, nothing good grows in the soil of fear, right? In fact, the Bible tells us, and, and many of you know this verse, but the, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? And God is saying that I can't work in this spirit or this atmosphere of fear. He says the atmosphere that I want you to live in as a believer is one of power and of love and of a sound mind. And church, when you think about this, why would God make this bold, audacious statement and tell his children not to fear or be dismayed? I mean, truthfully, what gives him the right to tell us that? Can I tell you why? Because his power and his promises are always greater than our mental, our emotional, our physical, and spiritual fears. Let me say that again. His power and His promises are always greater than our mental, our emotional, our physical, and our spiritual fears. Whatever our fears are, God's promises are much greater. Right? In other words, God's not going to promise you. If He's not going to lead you to a place where He can meet your need to overcome. Can I get an amen? Now, church, just so we're clear here, it's not a sin to be afraid or dismayed. But it is a sin not to trust God amidst your fear and brokenness. Right? There's nothing wrong with me feeling afraid at times. That's just being human, right? Because faith is not the absence of fear. It is trusting God despite our fears. Right? That's what faith is. So the point here, church, is that there will be times where you are going to be afraid, but put your trust in God. Put your trust in the Almighty One. Right? God is not going to give up on you because you're fearful. He is long-suffering with us because He cares for us and He wants us to overcome the wiles of the devil. And I just love what it says in Lamentations chapter 3. It says this, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. And who wants to consume us? Our enemy, right? So you could put it this way. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed by the enemy, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. Great is his faithfulness. And I want you to know this morning, whatever you are going through, church, God has not given up on you. Even in times when you are afraid, even in times when you feel defeated. Because the Lord is saying to us today, even though you may have some fear and brokenness in your life right now, even if it feels like your life has been demolished, the Lord is saying, don't allow those emotions to govern your steps. Amen. Put your trust in me. That's the first step to developing the mindset of an overcomer. Put your trust in the Almighty One. Put your trust in the One who, who delivers. The second step that we find here in developing the mindset of an overcomer, number two, is to confront your AI or to confront your, your place of defeat, right? There are two quick principles I want to show you here. God says to Joshua to go up against AI once again, and he tells him to take two things with him, to take support and to take the promises of God. He says to Joshua in the second part of verse 1, Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai. 
And the principle here, church, is this. Is that if I am to go up against something that is greater than me, or something that has defeated me before, the Lord directs me to do it with people who will support me in prayer and help me to rise to the challenge according to God's Word. Amen? As a Christian, guess what? You need support. Now, church, when we are coming from a place of defeat as Joshua was, it's good to stay away from what we call toxic people or, or joy suckers or people that always see the worst in every situation. Why? Because if I'm always trying to, if I'm trying to accomplish what God has called me to do, you know, if I'm taking on my fear or my place of defeat, I need to surround myself with mighty men and women of valor. And listen, I'm not talking about perfect people, right? because there is no perfect person, there is no perfect Christian. I'm talking about people that can comprehend the season that you're in and those people that are willing to go into the spiritual battle with you. Right? You need to find somebody who's willing to stand with you by faith. As Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, find those who are like precious faith. Right? Find those people who will stand upon the word of God with you. Find those people who will pray with you and trust with you until your enemy is defeated. Amen. That's what I mean by surrounding yourself with support. The second thing that we need to take with us when we confront our place of defeat is the promises of God. Also there in the second part of verse 1, the Lord says to Joshua, See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you see, that's a promise that Joshua could hold on to. That's a promise that the Lord gave him that he could hold on to. And if you're thinking, you know what, Lord, why should I go and face my enemy that has defeated me before? Why should I go back to the place of my defeat? The Lord says to you and me, because this time I want you to go with my promise. Right? You've tried to do it in your own strength before. You've tried to do it according to your own will. But this time I want you to go with my promise and I want you to go with my will for your life. And you know, church, something that we must learn as we grow in our walk with the Lord. When God is calling us to do something that is very difficult, or when the enemy is calling you just to give up, we need to go to God's Word to find a promise to hold on to. Right? Whether it's in the book of Proverbs, the book of Psalms, the Ecclesiastes, the Gospels, or even in the book of Revelation. Find a promise of God to go along with you to face and confront your place of defeat. Memorize that promise. Keep it front of mind. So that as you're journeying along and walking in obedience to what God wants you to do, you can confront that doubt when it comes. Because listen, I hate to be the, bear, the bearer of bad news. But doubt is going to come. Right? And when it comes, it will entice you to turn your life back over to its cousin whose name is fear. Because doubt and fear work, work very closely together. And so, for example, if you're walking along and you start doubting and thinking, you know, well, maybe I'm not ready to face my AI yet. Or I am too fearful to do it. When you have God's promises with you, yes, you may be fearful. But you are then able to tell the devil which represents fear that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You tell him that if God is for me, who can be against me, Right? You remind him that the fact that I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me. And that he who did not spare his own son, 
how much more will he, will he freely give me all things? Right? And even though I might be moving slowly, I am able to move forward because I am remembering the promises of God. Amen? You see, the battle is the Lord's. Right? He is the one who, who delivers us. And I really like how the Apostle Paul speaks about fear and adversity and overcoming in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. It got so bad for them, them at one point in their ministry that they didn't even want to live anymore. And maybe you can relate to that at times, but, but look at what he says here. He says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. But look at the, at the realization that he came to. He says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us again and again. Sometimes God brings us to the place of defeat and then he tells us to get up again, to, to rise up and to go again. But this time in his promise and his power not ours. Remember, the promises of God are always greater than your places of defeat. Can you give him some praise and glory for that fact this morning? The third step that we find here in developing the mindset of an overcomer, number three, church, do not compromise in following the Lord's command. Or you could put it this way, do not compromise in obeying the word of the Lord. And again, that may sound like a bit of an obvious statement, but sometimes, even though it's obvious, guess what? We don't do it. Right? But if we want to move beyond defeat and overcome that AI in our lives, we need to do it according to God's way. We need to do it according to His way. What's really symbolic in the story about Joshua going up against AI once again is that when Joshua told the 30,000 men to go out and lie in ambush between the west side of the city of Ai and Bethel, Bethel wasn't like 20 kilometers away. It was only about two kilometers away. Now, who knows what the name Bethel means? The house of God, right? And the name Ai means ruin. And isn't that oftentimes where defeat, bring, uh, defeat brings us? Between ruin and the house of God? And this is symbolic for us as believers because here between ruin and the house of God, we always have a choice to make. Am I going to continue in the path of foolishness that leads to ruin? Or now that God's got my attention, am I going towards the house of God? And again, church, I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically here according to the text. But in life, for us to truly recover from defeat... And go up against that place of defeat in our lives. We must return to the path of God's word. We must return to the house of God. Right? And what does the house of God represent for us as believers? It is Christ. He is our refuge. Amen. Right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. The Bible warns us in, in Proverbs chapter 21 verse 16 that a man or woman who wanders from the way will rest in the assembly of the dead. But it also tells us in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Amen? 
For the believer, the safe place from defeat is to follow God's word and do as he has commanded. Are you guys okay? The fourth step that we find here in developing the mindset of an overcomer, number four, is to persevere in prayer. To come back from defeat and to confront that thing that caused defeat in your life in the first place, we need to be a people of prayer. The Lord tells Joshua in verse 18, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that it was in his hand towards the city. And you know, church, just think about that image. It's such an amazing image of him there stretching out his spear to the place that defeated him before. The place that he was afraid to confront again. And stretching out his spear in verse 19 tells us that it was a signal to all the rest of the troops that were lying in ambush to rise up and to go into the city and seize the city because all the men had now left the city. So it was a signal. But it was even much more than that. For I believe, church, it is symbolic of persevering in prayer. I mean, if it was just a mere signal for the soldiers to attack, Joshua would have given the signal once and then he would have put his spear down again. But the Bible tells us in verse 26, For Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Church, it is symbolic of prayer. Because we've got to keep on praying until the battle is won. Right? We cannot give up. We must persevere in prayer until the battle is ours. Right? You've got to point the sword of the Spirit towards whatever's caused you to falter or to fail or brought defeat into your life. You've got to put prayer on it and keep prayer on it until you have overcome. Amen? Matthew Henry, who did an extensive commentary on the entire Bible, he said this about Joshua chapter 8. He had a bit of a, a footnote and he said, Christians should perceive Joshua's conduct and prudence here. He said something interesting. He said, those that would maintain their spiritual conflicts must not love their comforts. Spiritual conflicts are the spiritual battle that we're talking about. Joshua probably went into the valley alone to pray to God for a blessing, and he did not seek in vain. He never drew back till the work was done. Those that have stretched out their hands against their spiritual enemies must never draw them back. Until Ai was utterly destroyed, Joshua stood pointing. And the principle here for you and me, church, is this. Instead of complaining about it, instead of complaining about the thing, pray over the thing. Instead of telling everybody how defeated you feel, pray over it, right? Get them to pray with you. Pray, as Paul said, without ceasing. Right? Until Jesus returns, keep believing and keep praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? In conclusion this morning, the fifth and final step I want to share with you today in developing the mindset of an overcomer is to dust yourself off and to go again. Why do I say that? Because defeat for the believer is never the end. It's just a new beginning. And I know that nobody likes the word defeat, or you don't like defeat. We have been brought up in a way in a, a way where we all want to look like winners. We always want to look like a winner, right? 
But the truth is, we're not all winners all the time. But let me give you an analogy. As in sports, the winner or the, the winners or the champions are those who have learned to rise from defeat. The world champion or the, the championship team have learned from their past mistakes. They have developed the necessary character and they pick themselves up from defeat not once, but again and again. And we've all seen those, those sporting teams that have come from nowhere and they've developed the right character and persevered. And when they rise from defeat, right, the victory is so much sweeter. But here's the thing, church, to be able to rise from defeat, right, you've got to stay in the game. Because those that have given up have never gone on to achieve anything significant. And the Lord is calling you and me today as believers to have that same type of resolve when we are fighting this, this spiritual battle. Because it's not about how many times you get hit. It's about how many times you get up again and move forward to the prize that awaits us as believers. Right? You see, giving up is not an option in this journey of faith that we're on. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it says, The just shall live by faith. And we know that faith pleases God. But it says, If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The Lord takes no pleasure in us if we give up. But if we develop the mindset of an overcomer by putting our trust in God, putting our trust in Him, by going up against our place of defeat, having that confidence that we can go up again, by following the, the word of the Lord and the command of the Lord, by persevering in prayer and being willing to dust ourselves off and to go again, no matter how defeated we feel, we will be like that soldier described in Ephesians chapter 6. A heavily armed soldier that will be able to successfully resist and stand their ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in their place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. Church, the battle is real. But in Christ, you are an overcomer. If you believe that this morning, give the Lord a shout of praise. There's one final scripture I want to share with you. Maybe the worship team can come up so long. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 5, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been given the right, you have the authority to overcome the wiles of the enemy. Amen? And I want to just make an invitation this morning, also on this verse. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And if you're here today and you're saying, I do not believe in this, or I haven't believed in this, this Lord and Savior that you're talking about. And I've been trying to do my life according to my own ways and my, my own thoughts for so long, and it just hasn't been working out. But you know today is the day when you want to commit your life to the, the one and only true God. If that is you, if there is someone like that here this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to respond and to commit your heart to the Savior. His name is Jesus. 
He came to the world. He came and died for you and me. He came and died for our sins. He was crucified. But on the third day, he was risen. He was raised from the dead. And because of that, we have assurance to live this life, right, to overcome the wiles of the enemy. But we have the assurance to be with him in eternity.